Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. This is our weekly podcast with stories about the weather and climate and how they impact our lives in ways we may not even imagine. We talk about what you're talking about, what you're asking about, and hearing about in our everyday world with forecasts from our amazing team of AccuWeather meteorologists, including periodic check-ins with some of our own experts in various segments of meteorology, climatology, astronomy, anywhere where that nexus of science and everyday life meet. We'll also check in with experts from outside the AccuWeather family, and we'll talk to you as well and get your reaction to some of the things and questions about what's going on in terms of the weather and climate. As we move into the fifth and final weekend of August, it's technically the final weekend of meteorology summer. But many of us have already been in this back-to-school mode, especially if you have family or friends on the collegiate level. And it seems like more and more schools from the elementary to high school level are getting their academic years rolling as well. So we thought that it was time to turn our focus into that back-to-school mode. It has been another tumultuous week, a week that saw a Category 4 hurricane slam into the Louisiana and Texas Gulf Coast, destroying property and taking lives and also contributing to dangerous weather impacts into the Northeast as we go into this upcoming weekend. We combine that with the news that several universities have reversed course on in-person classes, and we've certainly been dealing with more civil unrest, and it's been the second straight week where politics and its divisions have taken center stage in our nation. We all need ways to cope with the stress of the times. In this week's first Rays of Focus segment on Everything Under the Sun, we update the progress of the Weather Photographer of the Year contest presented by the Royal Meteorological Society in association with AccuWeather. The judges, including AccuWeather's own Jesse Farrell, have whittled this contest down to 26 images, and it's time for you, the public, to pick your favorite. And our good friend Dr. E returns to our program. He takes a moment to help us, maybe more so me, guide us through these challenging times, hoping to buck the trend and keep an eye on the positive as we head and try to help those around us get back into this normalcy, or what is normal in this time where we're getting back to school. And most importantly, probably at the end, we'll talk to AccuWeather Senior Meteorologist Brian Thompson about the challenging aspects of the weather as we go into this weekend and early next week as more and more people are on the move. And we certainly will focus on some of the aftermath of Laura but also about some of the heat that's upcoming for certain parts of the country as kids back to school. It's a lot to talk about and a lot to take in on this busy week. Friends, I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, and it's time to talk about everything under the sun. 
Celebrating its 170th anniversary, the Royal Meteorological Society is for the fifth time curating the Weather Photographer of the Year contest. And for the second time, it's doing so in association with us here at AccuWeather, and we couldn't be prouder and happier. It was certainly good to take a moment to catch up with RMET's chief executive, Liz Bentley, to catch us up on this exciting new phase of the competition where you, the public, can get involved. So Liz, in some ways it feels like two weeks since we talked in other ways it seems like two months and maybe even two years and some i mean the time i don't think any of us have a sense of time but it is great to actually this is the last time we didn't get to see each other so it's great to see you and talk to you and we're in an exciting time because when we were talking the last time we were in the phase where people were submitting their photographs for weather photographer and youth photographer of the year and they were in that submission phase and now we just released after going through the judging phase within the last week or so we've just released the finalists for each of the awards and i just took a look at them i wanted to wait till right before we talked and i wanted to then take a look at and they are stunning and mm-hmm. it's amazing liz first of all how are you doing and uh how's your summer been so far yeah, so so really well. And uh, I guess one of the highlights of the summer has been being able to judge the Weather Photographer of the Year competition. It was a challenge, if I'm honest, because we had some uh, some spectacular images. So we had over 7,000 images submitted in the end, nearly 8,000 in total, from about 2,500 photographers. So a, a plethora of images. So to wow. shortlist that down to 25 was a real challenge, not just for me, but I'm sure the other judges as well. Uh, and we came together we had to do it virtually um right. you know uh, that's something in previous years we've got people together at the royal met society in the uk and we've tried to to do it face to face in a room and it's been a little bit of tugging and to and fro of that but we did it virtually and we're very civilized we were and we shortlisted down to 25 and as you say there's some spectacular images a real array of different phenomena so you know what what can be um i think what draws your eye sometimes can be the real you know whiz bang uh, kind of extreme dream weather you know the the, the, the lightning tornadoes, shots. the lightning yeah exactly right, yeah. but there there's a real range of uh, some beautiful quite benign quite settled conditions that have just as much kind of fascination and are just as spectacular as the real kind of explosive uh, images as well so there's well, a real yeah. there's a real range there Right. I think there's a, there's the range too, in my mind of the phenomenon that it would be a once in a lifetime situation to see. And then there is at least the one that I may have voted for was more of an example of something I actually ran into in the similar way the other day, but it was absolutely stunning. So it would be things that you could normally see and you have a little different perspective of it. And those more simple things become so beautiful, right? Yeah, that's right. And and we had Jess Farrell from AccuWeather as one of the judges who obviously is based out in the US. And the weather that you see in the US can often be, you know, quite a little bit more, well, more extreme than it is in the UK. And so some of the things that the UK judges were like, wow, that's fantastic. I, I you know, don't see that very often. Jess was like, yeah, I've seen hundreds of those. <laughs> so it was a real kind of interesting kind of tug, I guess, as to what right. we, we would see as really extreme and what was just, you know, bread and butter really to Jess. That's a good discussion point because uh, in certain parts of the world, different weather phenomena are much more common than others. You know, hard pressed to see a tornado really in 
lots of the world, except they seem to be more common than ever in parts of the United States. And so, yeah, that's an interesting. So how many, let's run over those numbers again, uh, the number of submissions. And can you break down between the numbers between the adult and then interested to hear how many uh, of our youth uh, photographer of the year submissions there were? Yeah, so uh, 7,700 photos in total were submitted. The, the majority went into the main competition, but we had, well, close on a 1,000 from the Young Weather Photographer of the Year competition. Is, which is that was, been growing? Yeah, which is, which is yeah, which is way up on previous years. Um, both both of them had increased by you know well over fifty percent than than previous years. Really pleased, you know, in both regards. And the quality, as I say, was was spectacular. Was amazing, really, to to have you know not just the number, but the the sheer quality of of images that were coming through from right around the world. And and again, right. when we shortlisted it. That's another thing that's fascinating. You know, we've got we've not just got images from the UK and the US, but we've got them from Vietnam from Russia, from, you know, lots of different parts of the world showing lots of different phenomena, which, um, you know, just really brings to life that, the you know, the weather is just uh, strange, wonderful, fascinating, not just in our countries, but all around the world. And to capture this in, in these photographs has been, I think, just a wonderful thing to do. So let's uh, talk about where we are in the process now. It is now up to the general public to pick the weather photographer of the year. And to do that, they would go to photocrowd.com slash P-O-T-Y, photographer of the year. And there you get information about uh, the partnership and the, with AccuWeather and then also the whole contest itself. And then you hit the choose my favorite button. And of course, those of us in the United States will chuckle that there's the extra you in favorite there, right? And then we get into these photo- uh, photographs. Do we want to do you want to run down these a little quickly, uh, just as maybe a compendium for people? Just are you prepared to do that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, I'll tell you what I will do because I can group them a little bit. So yes. um, the, there's definitely the, you know, the big images of tornadoes and supercells, uh, lightning. So there's quite a few of those in the selection. Um, there are the, the, the kind of winter scenes. So there's quite mm-hmm. a few snowy scenes, you know, again, from different parts of the world, some quite benign snow scenes, some that are showing more kind of disruptive and dramatic snow scenes. Um, there's a couple in here that have been taken by drones so aerial views looking down from above which you have to kind of get your bearings a little bit first because it's kind of a different kind of eyes view on things there's also a couple in there that were done as panoramic so three 360 degree photographs which again you've just got to take a moment to get your head around the fact that this isn't just looking straight on at at a uh, you know weather phenomena you're looking at the 360 panorama in one image so it, it is it takes a moment really to get your bearings so there's a couple of those in there as well it's a couple with animals. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got a bison, a, yeah. again, another winter scene. And uh, <laughs> what, what... It's, it's, I imagine he was moving, but if you look at that bison, you would think he's also maybe frozen solid. Yeah, exactly. And you feel the pain, don't you? Yes. Oh, my Lord. Yes. Uh, And there's also one of a Gower pony. So Gower is a place in South Wales in the UK. And again, this poor pony has been out in this torrential rain. And if you take a close look, you can see it's dripping wet. But in the background, there's this beautiful rainbow. So you get the two kind of sides of of the weather, the very, you know, the, the kind of negative deluge of rainfall, and then the beautiful, spectacular rainbow that you get as well. So, so there's some really, 
interesting images and hopefully I've given you a kind of flavour of the the, the the range, not just of phenomena, but um, but also, you know, the, the kind of the different types of photography, whether it was taken from a drone or using those kind of 360 panoramics. So how long does the public voting period go? Yes, yeah, so it's open till the 25th of September, so about another month to go. Um, and as you say, there's a website. But if, you, if you're big on social media, if you just look at the hashtag WP. O-T-Y, so Weather Photographer of the Year acronym VOTE. So W-P-O-T-Y VOTE. You'll be able to find the link then to the PhotoCrowd website and, and as you say, just click on your favourite. Uh, and when we will announce not only the public vote, but also the winners that we shortlisted and put in the places during the judging that we did last month, we'll announce those in October. So on the 17th of October, we have an event running in the UK called Weather Live. We'd normally do that as a face-to-face of event but this year because of the pandemic it's going to be a virtual event we're running it in the afternoon UK time in the hope that there'll be people in the US who want to get involved with that so if you're interested in participating in Weather Live um, again I'd send you to the RMET's website so the Royal Meteorological Society's website that's rmets.org uh, you'll find that event called Weather Live and again you can uh, be there on the day when we announce all the winners including the public vote winner. Well I'm pretty sure they will check in before that to remind people of that uh, great event and then we may check in after or you know if you need an MC, i would have certainly if we could have been doing this in person i would have really volunteered to make the flight over if you need it but it's still in the virtual world if you need an MC, liz i'm i would uh, be more than happy to help you with that Oh, definitely. I'm going to take you upon that offer. Absolutely. So we'll be in touch after this and uh, see, see if we can do that, Dean. Uh, we're also, I think the partnership with AccuWeather has been one that uh, this is the second time the partnership has, and, and it's really been good for both of us. And I think that's helped you increase some of these numbers, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's been a joy, actually. In, I mean, again, we, we had the challenges of the pandemic and what we were going to do with this competition that we were, you know, wanting to launch midst of the, the start of the pandemic. And, you know, we had conversations with yourselves about, you know, was was it right? Was it the right timing to put this competition out there? You know, we delayed the, the launch by, by a few weeks just to kind of, you know, take stock of, of where we were in the world really but I do think it's been a, a joyous thing for people to participate in and to then enjoy the photographs that are being shared in, in this shortlist um, you know and we're getting a lot of public interest around the world so from from the, your perspective we've, we've really hit a market in the US and an international market uh, as well so it's been a real uh, joy to work with you to work with AccuWeather both to, to you know to get that reach and that publicity and I, I'm, I'm almost certain that's the reason why we've had so many submissions from right around the world so yeah if you go to the website photocrowd.com slash wpoty and that's photocrowd.com slash wpoty that's where we start to vote and you said the hashtag on social media is wpoty yeah vote so it's you need to have the vote on the end but if you did the hashtag wpoty you'd get to the weather photographer of the year website so you i think you're pretty much there sounds good liz we'll talk to you uh, in that week leading up uh, in october as we get ready for the big event thank you so much 
Thank you. Again, that website is photocrowd.com slash W-P-O-T-Y. And the hashtag that you can use on social media is W-P-O-T-Y vote. Again, uh, we've got uh, a few uh, weeks here to vote, and we are looking forward to talking with Liz and everyone at Armets about uh, the winner's list that we'll be producing here in October. Happy to uh, be part of that, and Liz and I will be talking about that for sure. You know, a lot of folks will be talking about Laura and the devastation and deadliness of the hurricane as it came on shore to the Louisiana-Texas coastline and continued its trek up into the middle of the country and into the northeast, the center of circulation of tropical rainstorm. Laura will talk with Brian Thompson coming up in our third segment about this upcoming weekend or early part of next week. But coming up next, as we continue to deal with a tumultuous week and tumultuous times, and as we get each other ready to kind of transition back into more regular, normal schedules uh, than we are used to seeing over the summer in this back-to-school mode, Dr. E, licensed psychologist and friend of Everything Under the Sun, joins us to help us all get ready for that time, this stressful time. That's up next on Everything Under the Sun. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. And as we start off this back-to-school series, I felt like it was time to bring back one of the friends of this program who was a prominent piece in our COVID-19 series and was a contributor back to our summer series and now, I think, needs to be in a central role as we make that transition back into what we thought would be a more normal school year at the start. Maybe we were dreaming a little bit when we looked at this just uh, several weeks ago. It's time to bring in licensed psychologist and friend of the program, Dr. Eric Fisher, into everything under the sun. And uh, yeah, it has been a long time. I really want to say this is now our third series since we got back in the gear with everything under the sun. And, And honestly, Eric, I think you were really the the thing that held that first uh, series on specifically COVID together because of our weekly visits then. We visited a couple of times this summer, but uh, both Ken and I felt that right out of the gate, it was important as we were starting this back to school series to check in with you and for an extended visit. And, you know, I'm going to be gut level honest here. I'm just going to take this as my own opportunity to have a session with Dr. E. And um, I think uh, hopefully in some of the things that I've been going through, and that's the way I've been trying to approach my discussions with you, some of the things that I'm going through will relate to others. And we have a, seem to have found a good nexus in terms of where we can go with that. So here as I sit, actually, I'm recording this with Dr. E. Is I'm actually on vacation this week from my daily grind. I've gotten to a happy place today and I'm feeling a pretty good, but the wear and tear of COVID and the fight against it is taking its toll on me. It took mm-hmm. a toll finally on me in a significant way with the cancellation of the Big Ten sports season. And mm-hmm. I'm will put my arm around an Ohio State fan in Dr. E <laughs> as we're all kind of mourning that. And I know to some that sounds silly. But for me, I've been immersed in Penn State football for the past 36 falls. 
And I just don't mm-hmm. know, Dr. E. I mean, I feel in some ways in that I've lost a parent and I've already lost both right. parents. That's been tough. And it finally got to me a little bit this last week or so. I told everyone it was coming. I kind of predicted it even back in the day. I just didn't, I just found it uh, hard to believe that we could play college from, and I still find it hard to believe. But so I think, you know, we all have been taking turns this summer, not only dealing with monumental events like COVID itself, but then all the monumental events that it causes, some of us seem to have a hit at the same time. But we've all, I, I think we've all, as we've gone through with each other, family and friends have seen people take hits at different times in terms of losses of family or job. And they're starting to mount up. And here we are in a season of hope, right? The, the back to school season is kind of a, mm-hmm. a season of renewal and a season of beginnings again. And now we're already getting some bad news about some of these schools that are trying to go back. So that's kind of where I am as my collective psyche. And I think there's a lot of people that can find some truth in that kind of assessment of where they are in terms of things. And there's certainly people that are in much worse shape and people that are in better shape. But maybe some some thoughts about that as we uh, start our conversation here. Well, I think we got to look at what we're holding on to. You know, often in life, we are creatures of habit, as has been said. And as we are, we like consistency. We like to be able to depend on things. I would say some people, you know, why we like structure, some people's structure is disorder. So, you know, that's where sometimes people who have a, a life that looks very disordered, it's what they know, it's what they expect. So it's kind of like that's what they keep propagating. And some people who like structure and order and you know, things to happen a certain way, you know, when our cheese gets moved, you know, that, that book was written, we can feel upset when we don't know what's coming and we feel that sense of out of control. Remember, the need for control is based in fear. So I'm going to also early in this discussion, bring up a cone that we may have talked about. It says, grandfather dies, son dies, this is good fortune. And that brings up the idea of often people see death as tragedy, death as painful. But death is a continuing fact of our existence, of life. Everything we have known will eventually cease to be and or will change. And as we fight the process of change, of growth, of evolution, then often what we do, we're going to hold on to pain as to what was and the pain and the loss of that experience rather than asking ourselves, what is coming with this? Not doom and gloom, but opportunity. And it's all, if I choose to stand behind what change I see coming and what I see is painful, then I can't see ahead where if I choose to stand on top of it, it becomes the mountain to help me see further. And that's where I feel like a lot of us are. I did a, a daily dose of sunshine for AccuWeather that'll be airing sometime on, you know, what, what are we doing without football season? And my whole thing is I love watching the reruns on, you know, because I know what's going to happen. I don't have to feel the stress. I can, I can enjoy that game and that win over Michigan one more time. You know, I can watch that 2003 Ohio State championship. And I know you Penn State fans wouldn't know many of those championships. Whoa, but, hey, you know. <laughs> You know, I let you talk for a while there, so no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you know, we bring humor. But that's the thing is, we gotta well, bring humor the, into this. No, I, I agree. No, I want to stop a second because I've actually had the adverse situation. I agree with you in terms of, and I have really tried, and I think I've been successful. And my partner 
Joelle and I have been talking about the successes we've had this period of time since COVID. So let's say the, the really the most of the spring and the entire summer as we're really mm-hmm. with going back to school, most people kind of are pumpkin spices out. So what, what else do we have to say? Fall's here, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, look, we're all, I, I, I really tried to, to accentuate the positives, not having some things, being able to do others. Our garden looks amazing. The flowers, they're exceeding our expectations of some of the things that we did and are, are happy with. And we're enjoying that every day, seeing our fruits of that. Uh, our disc golf game, both of us have gotten much better. And we're enjoying that when we go out to play. We're doing some things we never thought we could do there. So we've found mm-hmm. some things you know, to accentuate. And we've made progress in organization of our house, our finances, all those things. So we've been able to do those things. I think the problem is right now is we felt like we were getting to a finish line with the beginning of the school season for most people. And now that finish line, Dr. E, is extended. It would be like Penn State trying to hold Ohio State. No, let's say Michigan. All right, I'll go, I'll go <laughs> off the board here. Penn State trying to hold off Michigan and the referee adding two seconds to the clock. Oh wait, that happened. Uh-huh. No, uh, no, you know what I'm saying. So we're adding, we're but but we're adding now more time, right? We're adding uh-huh. now length. They've already canceled things into the spring. I'm hearing already. You know, we're already canceling things in April of next year. That's the the frustration. I think a lot of people like myself have. This extending of the goalposts keeps happening. But realize, you know, life is what happens when we're making plans. Also, and again, that's our creatures of habit, our creatures of planning, our creatures of wanting to, you know, look into the future and and map that out. And it's teaching us, this whole thing is teaching us about our senses of entitlement. It's teaching us about feelings of helplessness. It's teaching about feelings of hopelessness. It's teaching us about perceived inequities that others were really able, if we take a step back and we look at what many people in the world feel in terms of the disadvantages of the goalposts being consistently moved, not at our choice, but at others' choices, we can really look inside of this and study what it feels like to be so many who feel the gross inequities of life every day. And now we are feeling inconvenienced by this. And then we see, again, this storm season that's coming up, we want to bring in weather. We got two hurricanes hitting, you know, one after the other, or a tropical storm and a hurricane. And we see all these things that have been accumulating over time because now we know because we have ignored, because we ignored the virus and its impact, because we ignored the impact of our effect potentially, I'll say theoretically that a lot of theory and science supports it, but that supports that we are having an impact on the world around us and the weather patterns. We also have to see the impact that we have, have had, and can have on the emotions of ourselves, each other, our communities, our country, and our world. And that is the gift in this time. It's to rather than feel like a victim and feel like life happened to you, as so many people are, and then they justify their persecution of others, or feel like the martyr and say, but I've done this and this and this, and I deserve this. We can step out of that role and say, how is this happening for me rather than to me? What can I learn within myself? What can I learn together? What can I do with my fall 
rather than what I hoped and thought I was going to do to, as you say, find the victories in it. You're finding the strength of your relationship. You're finding the difference that these weekly podcasts make in people's lives just to have that consistency, but bringing them something to look at, wisdom, hope, peace, searching further rather than closing their eyes to truth. This is what I see comes from these times. We're talking with uh, Dr. Eric Fisher, Dr. E, author of The Art of Empowered Parenting, The Manual You Wish Your Kids Came With. For those that have children and in this most stressful time when their sense of normalcy, which was already lambasted in the spring with uh, the abrupt early end of their school years. And now we're adding to that the compounding of the complications of COVID in the beginning of this next school year. Uh, Some thoughts right now, Dr. E, in terms of what parents can do right now in terms of if they're struggling with their children in terms of the thoughts and motivations and those kinds of things. What are some things, maybe a a quick three or four keys right now that you would uh, tell most parents who are struggling in this very difficult time? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring attention to the words you used. You used the word lambasted. And I think we have to see the power of the words that we use. Because the power of the words communicates, in essence, kind of what we're feeling and sends that feeling or emotion or that connotation of that experience to those around us. So for some kids, it was actually, hey, I get to learn from home. And some kids learn from home. Some kids, it was changed. Some kids, it was more time with their parents. I think we have to see that we provide the lead to our kids. So point number one is we are steering the ship in ways. And if we steer the ship into this idea of disruption and pain and fear and hurt, then they're going to potentially follow that lead, even if it's our unconscious that's leading that way. So be aware of the words you use, be aware of the attitudes, be aware of if you are taking your frustrations out on your kids because of something they have no control over. Be aware of how even you're seeing the idea of having to wear a mask to school or not. Do you support that? Or do you not? Or do you fight that yourself? Do you not wear one? And therefore, as a model, what are you exemplifying to your kids? How do you help them then to adapt to this current normal? I'm not going to say new normal, but it's our current situation, our current normal. And how are you therefore adapting to it? So that's another piece to look at, to recognize and feel where you're at as an individual and know that you're okay. You know, I did one of my other daily doses. I talked about, are there any true bad notes on a keyboard? You know, if they're not in harmony, it might be an incorrect note to play with that chord progression, but yet you change the chord progression and it's a correct note. So we got to understand that there are no truly bad notes. There are no truly bad or wrong emotions. These are all opportunities. And as we exemplify to our kids that, hey, this is a journey we're on together. And this is a process or an opportunity for you to learn differently. And maybe for me to learn how you learn better and to help you to learn and be more involved in your education. Everybody wins in that. And that's how we have to see how do we perceive wins and losses? How do we perceive pain as something that buries us or something that challenges us and help us grow? Sometimes, you know, when we break a leg, we got to do rehab because we got to strengthen those muscles while they're in the cast that have gotten weak from lack of use. Well, this is really challenging us 
to strengthen our muscles of adaptation, of seeking new ways to see things, of seeing how we can work with life rather than against it and to open our eyes to all this change. So these are the things that I see that we can really pass on to our kids because yes, we're returning to school. And just because we're adults doesn't mean that school ends. I mean, to me, life is school. This is just a different grade that we're taking and our next challenge and maybe the class we didn't want to sign up for, but was necessary for us to take to become better as people, to become better as a family, better as a community. And right now as a country, I feel like we're totally flagging that class because people just are choosing not to show up. Well, and then the other thing is the loss of dialogue, true dialogue, where people can just sit down and really get past the fact that we may be disagreeing on an issue, but it's not because of a difference we can't control, you know, difference in color, difference in faith, difference in sexual preference, all the differences that could be assigned to that difference of opinion or thought, really, it's not any of that. And I'm just, it seems to be polarizing even more in terms of that right now. And obviously, with it being an election season, I think, how do we all deal with understanding that we may have some convictions that may not always be popular to be said on both sides? I mean, you know, you can take any side of the issue and, and talk about that. But then how do we navigate those times when there are some very loud and very threatening voices out there in terms of of things. Uh, it, it, it's a challenging time for us to know what's right and wrong in our heart and, and honestly follow that. Well, isn't that opportunity, though, to challenge us to seek what is our current pro- idea of right or wrong or good or bad or strong or weak or win or lose and how we evolve and change to see, you know, imagine a keyboard or if in the world and universe there were only two notes, what songs could you write from two notes? What, what if there were only two colors, black and white? What would the universe be like with only black and white? We have to realize there is a spectrum of color, there's a spectrum of notes, there's a spectrum of beliefs, the spectrum of feelings, and each has value. When we get into our places of judgment, again, these are all great discussions because this is another daily dose assumption I did on the idea of judgment. Judgment places us above others because we believe that in judging people, we have the right And when we have the right, then we can make decisions about others, of their good or bad or right or wrong. And that's what we want when we want power over people, not power with people. And that has everything to do with the hierarchical models of power that we live in versus realizing, you know, I believe our kids are born from a belief in equity. They believe in balance. They love themselves and they and they know that if we love ourselves, we'll love others. If we do unto others as we would have them do unto us, isn't that what we were taught? But instead, we use the other golden rule, he who has the gold makes the rules. And that's based in fear and control. And control will always come from fear. There's right. no two ways about it. I think one of the biggest fears right now on any spectrum is people losing their popularity. That's something in terms of this cancel culture that you hear, these terms. Um, I think that's that drives so much right now. And, and that's a big situation that kids are going to deal with. We saw it a little bit at the end of the last school year in terms of going back to school, kids being mocked for the background of their house on the Zoom call, right? Um, mm-hmm. So what you're saying is what we have to, to try to teach each other is that um, instead of that ju- coming at it from a judgmental position, 
in, in terms of, you know, you could have served me better if you would have done this, come at it for more of how can we help each other? How can you and I help each other to get the common goal here, which is, should I have communicated better to you my needs so you could have given me what I wanted rather than judging you didn't know what I wanted. So, right, that, that's, that's where we need to get to, where it's that conversation where we help each other versus we're just judgmental and we're turned off by the person immediately for whatever reason and just walk the other way. I'll bring it back to a, a political statement that has stood the test of time. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. <laughs> and I think those sayings are, are timeless. You know, the only right. thing we have to fear is fear itself. There are statements that have stood the test of time because in ways they are truisms. They are truths. And to me, that's where we need to be right now. And we've lived and we've become a very fear-based isolationist country and many people see it. And we've got to recognize that we will deny our fear to profess our strength. But what drives the desire to have power over people other than fear and fear of loss of control, fear of losing what I believe is mine. And that's entitlement. And entitlement and arrogance, as we've talked about also before, leads to the downfall of empires. We got right into uh, the discussion, and I didn't ask how you and your family, everybody well in the Fisher clan? Oh, you know, we're, we're good. And I've been using, really, I mean, to me, this has really been a pretty easy flow because I've looked at what is the gift being offered by this. We've enjoyed our family time together. Sure, if there have been times we've had, you know, hiccups here and there. Yeah, you know, have we been done with COVID? Yeah, but COVID's not done with us. Okay, that's life. So to me, I truly see life. It's every day is picking another another cone card to see what is it offering me and how am I going to interpret it? Not that it's happening to me, but that I may have picked this card or picked this day for me. And that just... Again, any day we live with Zen, is it, there are no bad days, you know, is another card in there. Do you so have the deck with you there, by the way? I are do. You? Okay. I do. All right. So uh, let's catch everybody up to speed because, you know, there may be right. people, Dr. E, that don't know what's happening here. We're coming up on the end of our segment with Dr. E, and he was always carrying his Zen Cone card deck. And when we were doing this regularly at the COVID series, he would pick that uh, card from that and just we'd riff on it. So go ahead, Dr. E, pick your card from the deck. So the, the concept with this is that every day is like picking a card. If we have faith that every day happens for us rather than to us, we can look for meaning in that day. And I use these cards as an example because I say, if you entertain the idea of faith, can you pick the perfect card for you in this moment? So today's card is without anxious thought, doing comes from being. Wow. I'll just drop the mic on that. <laughs> yeah, really. But say it one more time. A, without anxious thought, doing comes from being. So exactly, when you ask me, how are things going? How are you doing through all this? And I said, well, every day comes for me. Every day I see the value. And yeah, do I pick up? Sure. And those are still the building blocks to truth. I am going to miss seeing Penn State beat Ohio State this fall. <laughs> I am going to miss that. Boy. Yeah, I know. I know. I've missed it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. E, thank you. We're going to check always in with you more. I, I, I promise uh, we'll, we'll not go as long this time. 
and uh, right. check because uh, you know as 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 quick as quickly as these things are changing, it really it really helps. So, thanks, Doctor E. We'll talk soon. Well, good to talk to you. Take care, all. You can follow Dr. E on Twitter, his handle there, D-C-T-R-E. Again, that's D-C-T-R-E, shorthand for Dr. E. And his website is drepresents.com, drepresents.com. Dr. E is also on Facebook as well, and we really thank him for being a friend of the program, especially in these trying times when we're looking and assessing the damage that Laura has caused, destroying... uh, property costing lives it is an amazing story and that story of that storm will last into the very beginning of the weekend and also its indirect effect will cause some problems in the northeast with severe weather meanwhile heat is going to be a problem for those going back to school especially the younger folks that are uh, going into probably some less air-conditioned buildings in some parts of the country than others so we'll keep you up to date on the upcoming weather for this upcoming weekend and the early week beyond in our first back-to-school episode. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Make AccuWeather Daily a part of your daily routine. Enable the flash briefing and say, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? To access this content on Google Assistant, all you have to say is, hey Google, talk to AccuWeather Daily. You'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. And welcome back to Everything Under the Sun here on this first episode of our Back to School series. I'm Dean DeVore, and I'm pleased to welcome in AccuWeather Senior Meteorologist Brian Thompson. First, I want to thank Brian because uh, he, along with uh, all the other team members, as many of you may know, I was not on the radio this week so far and uh, throughout the week. Uh, I had taken that week of vacation, always knew that we wanted to continue to work on the podcast. And so Brian's been doing amazing work here this week, uh, filling in for me. As you know, Brian is uh, a senior meteorologist, uh, really one of our main folks, uh, not only for radio, but also helps brief our team. TV partners, just does anything we need him to, including at times being uh, one of our uh, shift coordinators, uh, uh, certainly has had a front row seat to what has been a tumultuous week. And as we've seen the devastation that Laura has brought as it came on shore in those early hours of Thursday morning, you know, we had another tropical system, Marco, to deal with that came on shore as a tropical storm. And we've got some uh, issues with heat ahead as many of the younger students start going back to school in some places. It's going to be a tumultuous uh, weather week. And I think the big headline, Brian, that I'm looking at here as we look into this upcoming end of the week and the weekend is this severe weather threat as the effects of Laura diminish directly. It's setting up a situation where there's a fight in the atmosphere going on with a a lot of cool dry air that we had briefly in Pennsylvania on Thursday and into the Northeast, but it's retreating as Laura's pushing that warmer and humid air up and it's going to fight over a lot of the interior parts of the Northeast and to the coast. There's could be a lot of severe weather for folks trying to squeeze in some vacation time here at the end of August. Yeah, especially on Saturday, I think that's when we'll have the biggest issues uh, along the along the I ninety five corridor because as as Laura's moisture gets pulled eastward, and Laura may not be a still have a, a real circulation or a real kind of a self identity by the time it gets to the coast because a lot of its moisture, if not the entire storm, is going to kind of get absorbed into this front. What it will do is kind of add a little bit of moisture into the atmosphere, so it is uh, really going to uh, increase the risk for heavy downpours. Uh, I think the best chance 
chance for uh, those uh, severe storms on Saturday will be from, uh, especially from New Jersey, maybe eastern Pennsylvania, down through the Delmarva Peninsula, uh, where there may be a little bit more sunshine, uh, especially earlier in the day, that it could help prime the atmosphere in the afternoon and evening. You know, a lot of times there's there's two different scenarios in this. One is that this the tropical storm itself, the circulation comes in, and then sometimes it kind of gets stuck without anything to absorb it or catch it or push it or pull it. And it can sit as a tropical rainstorm is what we mm-hmm. call that next evolution. But this is different. This circulation and energy looks like it actually gets caught up in what's best described to me, or I would think is described as a, as a frontal boundary and, and a whole second wave that's coming in that's going to bring some of this cooler, drier air back to the Great Lakes and then eventually to the Northeast after this energy goes by. So it's getting absorbed into that rapidly, mm-hmm. becomes kind of a, what, like a, an addition to it, an injection of energy and moisture yeah, is what you're saying, right? Yeah, it's more of an, a lot of times, and this has happened in the, in the Southwest a couple of times, so so far, even if there isn't much left of the storm, you can still have an injection of moisture that can lead to heavier rainfall, especially in areas that are dry, like the West. Uh, but in this case, uh, we have a, a pretty potent uh, storm system that's going to be coming through the Great Lakes on Friday, bringing uh, some showers and thunderstorms. Uh, in addition to that, so we have a front extending from that, and uh, that's going to help sweep out uh, the heat in places like Chicago and Detroit. Uh, and that'll bring some showers and some severe storms potentially uh, late Friday into Friday night. And then as that system slides east, it's going to pull some of that moisture in from Laura, and uh, that's when you can uh, kind of add some heavier downpours. But to your point, uh, with it moving so quickly, it's not really going to get stuck anywhere, uh, Laura's right. moisture, that is. So that really reduces the the threat for flooding, and uh, a lot of areas in the Mid-Atlantic need rain, uh, mm. especially the farther west you go. There's certainly some good news. Uh, we're not going to get too much rain, but uh, some beneficial rain for some. And then into the next week, let's kind of keep in that northern eastern quadrant, Brian. And th- so early next week, I mean, the folks that are going back to school, uh, starting their back to school situation uh, next week, uh, especially the younger kids are going to have fall like weather. Uh, And so they are in good shape in that way. Uh, Concerned about some heat that's building for next week uh, in especially places like the South Central Plains and Texas and the dry, warm weather continues. Doesn't look particularly hot, but it looks like the South Central Plains really get into that broiling heat and you know, we know that a lot of uh, secondary schools aren't as uh, well air conditioned as uh, some of the higher education situations that some of the kids are going back to here in this next week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the Northeast is certainly going to get a bit of a break early next week. I think it's going to be very comfortable. The humidity will be a lot lower. Uh, but like you said, it's that area in the South Central Plains going to be going to uh, kind of be the uh, epicenter for the heat next week. It, for most of the month, it has actually been in the Southwest where the monsoon season has never really taken off at all. And that's been leading to unseasonable heat uh, throughout much of the Southwest. Monsoon's going to try to make a bit of a resurgence this weekend. I'll talk more about that in my uh, Western weather blog on AccuWeather.com. You can check that out. Uh, but uh, that, that looks like the heat's going to shift a little farther east next week. So places like Phoenix will be seeing highs closer to 100 rather than 110. So an improvement, certainly. Yeah, uh, but not- <laughs> every, every little bit helps, right? That's you right. Know, and, and some of us in the east scoff at that 10 degrees, but it makes a big difference. I mean, but it's still uh, pretty pretty brutal at times. Yeah, and and the usually the trade-off is in places like Arizona, when, it, when the temperatures dip during monsoon season, you get the humidity to come up so it's not a dry yeah. heat anymore. So it's kind of a trade-off. But nevertheless, it uh, looks like the worst of the heat probably going to be uh, focused in the uh, South Central Plains uh, for at least the beginning part of next week. Anything else uh, kind of uh, trip your trigger weather-wise for early next week that 
people need to keep an eye on as they go through the weekend? I mean, we got the severe stuff in the Northeast. We got the heat building in the South Central. Is there anything in the early part of next week? Just some early thoughts on the tropics uh, and what's to come. I know we were talking about entering into an explosive time, and certainly uh, here we are with a week where we had two named storms in the Gulf. Yeah, and uh, as we saw how fast things can blow up in the Gulf uh, with Laura, it did not take much once the storm no. started to get its act together. Once you get something in the in the Gulf waters, which are typically run in the mid to upper 80s this time of year, it did not take long for that to rapidly develop. Uh, not much in the pipeline in the in the short term. This is uh, obviously still a, an overall an active pattern. Uh, we're watching a, a tropical wave uh, in the far eastern Atlantic, but nothing immediately that uh, is uh, going to be of concern, at least into uh, the next few days and into early next week. But uh, we're heading into the peak of hurricane season about two weeks away. So yeah. uh, something we definitely have to watch. 2020. It's been uh, quite a weather ride, especially this past week. It it certainly has. We've had now seven named storms make landfall in the U.S., which is uh, remarkable for an entire season, let alone only not even through the whole month of August here. Uh, now, most of those, of course, were tropical storms, but uh, Laura certainly showed that uh, you know, just takes one to cause a lot of damage. Yeah, we've seen a lot of rapid intensification from the tropical sense, and even these uh, storms along the coast, these kind of hybrid storms that some of them have gotten named. Um, it seems like that's kind of going to ease out a little bit. I think we're going to see longer stretches, hopefully, in the Northeast and Great Lakes, where we're going to see more drier and favorable weather. Although, again, as you said, we do need the rain. So it's kind of a catch-22. Certainly, that middle Atlantic portion of the country is going to remain the battleground. I think D.C. up to Philly and close to New York. It's going to be interesting. Still a yeah, few weeks here. Yeah, it's funny. It's It's been quite the contrast in, in parts of the interior Northeast, where we have mm. uh, moderate drought conditions. Yeah. And then you get toward the coast, where we had Faye and Isaia spring quite a bit of rain uh it, it many areas are running above average so it's uh it really depends on where you are you also have some drought conditions in southern new england because the the both both the uh, tropical systems track too far to the west right. those areas missed out on the steadier rain so yeah we talked to paul Passlock about that last week too and we talked about the fall forecast and how there's a likely continuation of that so you know we talk about fire danger that you're very aware of out west we may mm-hmm. be starting to talk about that in parts of interior New England here as we get into September and October. Yeah, this that's, continues. Yeah, that's usually a, a con- the biggest concern in the Northeast in the springtime. But uh, w- when we get into the fall, the humidity is just as low. And if things, usually the reason it's not as high in the fall is everything's a lot greener. But if things aren't green, then certainly that brush fire risk is going to be higher. Brian, you know this feeling. It's been there's been times I've felt like maybe I should jump in and help, but I've also know that you know I needed some time away, and I appreciate what you've done this week uh, in terms of this past week, in terms of helping fill in for me. But uh, I know you get a few days off now too, and I hope mm-hmm. that uh, you get some rest and relaxation as you head into this weekend. Um, both of us big sports fans, and it's been a trying time in that regard too. And uh, yeah. It's been a, it's been a, been a, a crazy week, and uh, I, I'm so proud of all of our team members at AccuWeather. Uh, I thought uh, kept everybody as this storm evolved and changed, and we knew it was going to rapidly intensify. We just weren't quite sure to to what extent. I think everybody has done an amazing job at AccuWeather on this storm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough storm initially to get a handle on. Uh, I remember uh, when we were first looking at this very late last week and into the weekend. Uh, if you first recall, Laura was originally supposed to be a lot closer to f- the west coast of Florida, and there was a period where the the track was shifting 
a hundred, two hundred miles. It felt like every uh, twelve to twenty-four every hours. Every run, yeah. Uh, but once it, once it locked in, uh, it was pretty good agreement uh, for a few days out that this was going to be uh, pretty close to the Texas Louisiana border, and that's uh, that's basically where it came on shore. Uh, it was interesting to see. Uh, when it came on shore, how how strong some of the winds were recorded at uh, the Lake Charles Airport. A lot of times these uh, anemometers, uh, weather stations fail or the right. power goes out and you don't get right. those really high. But we were getting wind gusts over 130 miles an hour, which is uh, pretty remarkable. Well, it's pretty clear that the Lake Charles radar was destroyed and uh, yeah. we're... Uh hoping uh, you know that will take some time to to get repaired and mm-hmm. and obviously uh, that's a concern here as we get into the fall as well to keep track of uh, more systems as quickly as we can and and even uh, severe weather threats you know with fronts that get down that mm-hmm. deep this time of year so interesting stuff Brian thanks so much and uh, we appreciate your contribution here on everything under the sun. Yeah, have a good weekend, Dean. Brian, thank you. As uh, this podcast drops Friday morning, it's increasingly evident of the devastation that Laura caused on the Gulf Coast and through uh, the Lake Charles area. Continuing coverage of Laura and its aftermath on AccuWeather.com and our AccuWeather network. And certainly, folks, uh, as we look at it and as this podcast drops early Friday, it looks like that center of circulation will get quickly absorbed into that fast-moving system that was going through the Great lakes. And so Friday, it looks like the bullseye for severe weather shifts to two places, most especially it looks like parts of Iowa over to Wisconsin, close to Chicago is the real bullseye for possibly tornadic activity and then heavy thunderstorms with wind and hail and rain up through and over towards Detroit and Cleveland. But another bullseye in parts of uh, the Tennessee Valley, Western Tennessee, with another tornadic threat there. And then as Saturday rolls in, it looks like that uh, real severe thunderstorm threat for especially damaging wind gusts and certainly flooding downpours along the eastern seaboard, New York City down through uh, New Jersey, the Delmarva, probably uh, Washington, D.C. eastward and down then into the Carolinas. We uh, will continue to evolve that forecast and you want to stay tuned to all of our AccuWeather resources, including the AccuWeather app, your AccuWeather network uh, affiliate, AccuWeather.com and your AccuWeather partners. We want to thank Liz Bentley and we look forward to October and revealing the winner of the Weather Photographer of the Year and the winner of your vote, please check photocrowd.com slash WPOTY website to cast your vote. Thank you again to Dr. E for helping us get through this stressful time. And thank you to uh, all of our amazing AccuWeather team members. This last week has been really off the charts weather-wise with both Marco and then Laura and then everything that's gone on. And people have been putting in lots of extra hours and our AccuWeather team members Uh, those who make the forecast and those who get you the information and make sure that our web and our app are powered to make you be able to get the best information in the most timely fashion. All of the hundreds of AccuWeather team members who've been ensuring that over the last week, thank you. Special thanks to executive producers Ken Prell and Andrew Robb for all of us at AccuWeather.com. Be safe and well. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. We'll talk to you next week for episode two in our Back to School series. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.